0: you're listening to the Upper Frisco Podcast, to learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com.: You guys have your Bibles. Do you have your Bibles? Turn to John 16. The very end of it, we're going to, I just want to talk to you about learning how to uh, lift our eyes to heaven. Connect to the throne room. I want to talk to you on the throne room of God tonight and on learning how to lift up our eyes in the midst of so much craziness so many uh, narratives and storms and swirls, how do, how, do, how, do you, how to learn how to ascend. That's the question that I'm asking myself in this season, and I believe it's an hour that we learn how to ascend. Psalm 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And I feel like there's a holy invitation for every one of us of learning how to ascend in the midst of whatever pressures that may be, whether the four kids at home or the Pressuring finances or life or national realities that we're facing, how to learn how to ascend. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we just celebrate the fact that tomorrow we close on this building. That's beautiful. And and Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for what you have in store for this house. And I thank you, Lord, for the, the, the children and and the marriages and the families. And the blessing of heaven that's going to rest, God, we just pray that you would just consecrate us entering in fully into this house. Father, we ask you right now to release the fullness of blessing on Upper Room Frisco, God. God, I pray that you would bless us and cause your face to shine upon us, that you would be gracious to us, that you would give us peace. Father, we pray that you would just release a divine magnet here in nor- northern Dallas, God, that would draw God to the north and the south and the east and the west, and that you would begin to draw families and singles and people, young people and old, and that you would release just such a blessing on this next season. Release your word, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good, good, good. All right. Well, I got my wife's Bible. I couldn't find mine, so I'm going to be preaching. But you, preachers got to bring their Bible up, so it just feels weird. Maybe not. I don't know. Look at John 16, and if you guys put it up here, it's New King James, so um, that's what I'll be reading from. Oh, Lord, that fan just started. Whenever I hear a fan, I start getting sleepy. Anybody else get sleep with a fan? Anybody? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of a fan. We got, I got the app on my phone. Anybody else use the app? So when I hear that, it's just it starts dragging me in. Satan, get behind me. Anyway. anyway, all right, here we go. Look at verse 32. I love this. John 16, 32, and we're going to go right into 17, 1. This is Jesus. You know, that John, if, if, if someone asked me, where do, where do I start in the Bible? I don't know where to start. I would say, without even thinking, John 13 through 17. John 13 through 17 may be the best section to start in the Bible because it's Jesus' upper room discourse with weak, immature, insecure believers that were about to go through a tough season. And what Jesus gives us in these chapters is how to stabilize the human heart in the midst of shaking. Let me say that again. This is Jesus, the great pastor, the great shepherd, and how he stabilizes the heart in the midst of pressure and of shaking that comes to your life. Now these guys are about to go through the greatest shaking of their life. The one that they had been with for three and a half years is about to be taken from them, and they're going to be left alone. They're going to be left alone, and have you ever been in the seasons when all the fault lines on the inside of you get exposed? When you find out you're not as dedicated as you thought you were. That you're not as strong or as solid as you thought you were, but fault lines get exposed, and you feel like the ground underneath you is shaking, and you're looking for anchors on which to hold. Jesus, a lot of this night, he introduces us to the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit. And he says, guys, you need to understand, I'm leaving you, but I'm about to come to you in a different way, and I'm about to bust open heaven so that what I've been experiencing with Abba I'm going to now bring you up through the Holy Spirit into our holy club. And you're going to be joined with us, and there's not going to be any more limits on time and distance because now I'm going to live on the inside of you. Everybody say good evening, Holy Spirit. Guys, you know, we just talk about Holy Spirit all night. Jesus spends the majority of this night introducing Holy Spirit. And I feel like that right there is one of the key revelations of learning how to stabilize your soul in the midst of shaking is growing an intentional intimacy with Holy Spirit. Do you understand he has taken up real estate right here? He's a real estate developer. And he's landed on the beach of Normandy. Okay, you World War II people in here? He's landed on the beach of Normandy And Holy Spirit is looking for a full-on ground assault to take over Europe on the inside of your inner man. He lives on the inside of you, but he is longing for your thought life, your emotional chemistry, your desires, and ultimately your body. He is going to overtake by his power. You have inexhaustible treasure house of glory and power and wisdom and goodness and love dwelling on the inside of you. You don't have second cousin of the Trinity. You have the one that was brooding over the deep in Genesis 1, living on the inside of you. You have the Shekinah glory that was dwelling in Moses' tabernacle, dwelling on the inside of you. Hallelujah. He's as much God as Jesus is God and as Abba is God. Holy Spirit is God. He is the Shekinah flame, and he lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So that's really two realities, learning how to go within and learning how to ascend above. And really they're one and two of the same realities. But I don't, whatever. He talks about Holy Spirit. He talks about you need to live in me, John 15, abiding in the vine. Abide in me. Draw on the sap of my indwelling life. Learn how to get delivered from doing Christianity in your own strength, your own wisdom, and your own ability, and learn how to draw on the sap of my life within you. Get delivered. Paul calls it witchcraft to the Galatians. You began in the spirit, and you're trying to be perfected in the flesh, which means Christianity's turned into trying harder. There's nothing I hate more than us telling you, pull up your bootstraps, try a little harder. That's not Christianity because that's a statement that the power to do it is in and of yourself. We exert our will in dependence on him. We give ourselves to him. We make allegiance to the Holy Spirit. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. But now I want to talk to you. I love Jesus. This is one of my favorite insights into Jesus because I always like to look to Jesus to model us, what do you do in the midst of shaking? Okay. This is right towards the end. I believe this is right before they went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus says, Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come. He looks at them and he goes, That you will be scattered, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. He's looking at those 12 dedicated disciples. Well, 11, Peter over there saying, Jesus, I'm going all the way to death. They're all jockeying for positions. And Jesus says, I want you to know, There's coming a theological crisis that's about to come wrecking through your life. You're about to have a dark night of the soul when everything that you thought you knew about me falls to the floor. And when you get exposed, you're going to run. You're going to get scattered. You're going to run all ten directions, and you're going to be looking for anchors in the midst of turbulent seasons. All of you jokers are going to leave me alone. But I want you to know something that when you leave me alone, this is amazing. This is amazing. I love this. Jesus says, and yet, I'm not alone. Jesus is stabilizing his own soul with a specific revelation. I'm not alone. The Father is with me. Jesus strengthened his own self in the midst of shaking by realigning, I'm not alone. Abba's with me in this season. And many of us stop there, but this is what I want to move into. Look at John 17:1, the very next verse. Well, wait, no, no, no. To, no, I'm sorry. Not John 17.1. Go to the next verse. John 16:33. And then he says this: In the world you will have tribulation. John 16:33. I'm sorry, I set him up. He's already moving. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who loves that verse? Then look at John 17. Look at the very next verse. I think it's, there it is. I love this. Jesus spoke these words, and here's the phrase that I want to talk about tonight. He then lifted up his eyes to heaven. He lifted up his eyes to heaven. So he goes from this, and he goes, guys, I I want you to see this. This is so vivid. He's talking to them. He goes, guys, all of you jokers are going to leave me alone. I'm not alone. Father's with me. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And then he did this. I've overcome the world. Father, the hour's come. Glorify your son, that he may also glorify you as you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they would know you. And Jesus launches into 26 verses with his eyes wide open, talking to a real person in a real place, connecting with him as if he was talking to them. Jesus learned how to ascend and to enter into that place of prayer in the midst of the greatest shakings. And I believe that God is issuing an invitation and he is wanting to train us in this hour of learning how to lift our eyes to heaven. Connecting to a real place, a real person, and a real reality that is happening right now. When the disciples, and that was the whole premise of my book, Teach Us to Pray, the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus, a walking revival, heard every message, saw every miracle, saw every deliverance, and they never asked him once, teach us to preach, teach us to heal, teach us to deliver, teach us to do miracles. After spending three and a half years with the Son of God, they go, we want your prayer life. The greatest leader ever provoked that in the ones who saw him the most. And Jesus says, First thing you need to know about prayer, it's not about your list. <laughs> I always picture Jesus. I love to have it. He goes, Okay, first lesson in prayer write down everything you need me to fix in your life save Uncle John, deliver Aunt Susie. I need money. <laughs> I need money. And number five, I need money. And it's like the Lord says, okay, now hand me your list. All right, did did you get money down on there? Yeah, I got it. He goes, okay, now hand me your list. All right, hand me your list. And you hand it to him. He blows us a kiss, and he does this. He goes, we're not going to start prayer with your list. I want to introduce you to a person. I want to introduce you to a place, and I want to introduce you to his name. When you pray, say, Abba, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus says the first place in prayer is learning how to connect with a real person in a real place, and his name is holy. Are you all with me tonight? And I believe with all my heart, Jesus was looking at Revelation chapter 4. I want you to just go ahead and turn there with me in your Bibles. Revelation chapter 4. What I'm about to walk you through is not Disney World It's not Disneyland. It's a real place that's happening right now. And I'm speaking to your spirits to connect to this place and to begin to acquaint yourself with the throne room of God. There is many times where we see the throne room of God in Scripture. Daniel saw the Ancient of Days sitting on his throne with the river of fire, wheels of fire, and and 10,000 times 10,000 angels before the throne. I love Ezekiel sees a throne tornado chariot coming down towards him. It's the wildest. Ezekiel 1 is trippy. And it's coming down, and he says, and I see a man. He's actually looking up from, he's looking up through the sea of glass, and he sees a throne, and he sees a man on the throne. He sees Jesus coming down. On Mount Sinai, the very throne room of God came down on Mount Sinai. And it says the elders, they ate and they drank and they saw the God of Israel. They sat on the blue pavement. There are many times in the throne room of God, guys, I want us to begin to learn how to lift our eyes. As we begin to see increasing glory and increasing shaking, that's the place that we need to anchor our souls to in the midst of a turbulent world. We need to anchor our souls to the throne room. Anchor our souls to God's evaluation. That's I, I've preached to you before out of Psalm 2. When you see rage, chaos, and confusion on the horizontal, you've got to understand there's someone sitting in the heavens with a different perspective than the world's a, a testimony about what's going on. He who sits in the heavens is laughing over the attempts of the evil one to throw off his plans. He laughs. He's filled with divine confidence. There's a divine rest that comes on the soul when you connect to that eternal place that rides above every storm. Psalm 29 says, he sits as, he's set enthroned at the flood, and he sits as king forever. Uh, revelation 4, are we okay? Good, good, good. Revelation 4, in chapter 1, John is about 90. He's been exiled to Patmos. He has a, a marvelous encounter with Jesus in chapter 1. If you want to grow in Revelation of Jesus, chapter 1 will knock your world off, man. It's amazing. Two and three, seven letters to seven churches. And then in chapter 4, here we go. I believe this is the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, part of the Lord's prayer. He says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. I declare that over every one of you right now. The first lesson in prayer is learning how to walk through the open door. The first lesson in prayer is learning how to walk through the open door. There is is a door that's standing open over every one of you right now. The door is Christ. The door is open, and there's a holy invitation. I don't care how jacked up you are. I don't care how scattered your past is. I don't scatter how scattered the week has been. I don't know how back and forth you've been. There is an invitation in Christ. The door is open, and he's inviting you into a new place of intimacy and revelation with him a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, this is Jesus, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. Come up here. And I, I want you to hear that. When you go home this, tonight and you go home this week, I want you to hear those words washing your soul as you hear the Holy Spirit say to you, come up come out, come out of shame, come out of addiction, come out of religion, come out of disconnection. I want you to come out of religion, come out of forms. Don't check me off your weekly box. I don't want to be your quiet time. I want to be your love affair. I don't want to be a, a, a box you check off. I want to to call you into a new place of perspective. I want to blow your mind with fresh discoveries of who I am. I want to blow your mind with who I am and who you are in me. I want you to be my friend. I want to share secrets with you. I want to whisper things. I want to give you phrases that will take the next five years unpacking. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open. Come up here. I will show you things. My language for that is I will blow your mind. Do you want to know what the greatest secret to Christianity being an influence in our culture is? It's fascination. Fascination with the God we talk about is the greatest answer for a thousand other evils in the earth today. I believe that the greatest crisis confronting the church in America is boredom. Boredom. We like meetings. I like YouTube videos. I like comfort. But when I get alone with him, there's nothing going on. And God says, I want to deliver you from boredom. I want to awaken fascination. I want to touch you with beauty. I want to put salt on your spiritual tongue and awaken thirst. And I want to create a longing on the inside of you that I am beautiful and I want to stun you with my beauty. I want to fascinate your spirit. I want to deliver you from the Fox News spirit, or this spirit, or that spirit. I want to deliver you from social media arguments, and I want to catch you up into a different narrative. I want you to march to the beat of a different drummer. I want a different conversation, a higher conversation, to govern the real estate of your interior life. I want to show you things. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search out. Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord belongs to those who fear him. He wants to show you things. Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will show you things. Yes. What kind of things? Yes. Just come and see great things, marvelous things. Eyes not seen the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We have received the spirit of God so we might know the things that have been freely given to There are things in God. There are things. What are are those things? There are things in there. I want them. I want those things. Come up here. Come on, Sister Hannah, which must take place. Verse 2, this is the first thing that he sees. Immediately, I was in the spirit. And I am feeling it, and I want to invite you this week as we're closing on this building I believe that God wants to visit Upper Room Frisco, definitely all the other campuses, but I I think you need to lay the claim. God, we want a season of visitation. Season of visitation. Dreams, night visions, open visions, trances, encounters, downloads from heaven, angelic visitations. We want to push in for the realm of the Holy Spirit to break in, to break into that visionary realm where I wake up, And I'm in a full-on open vision in the middle of the night. Do you believe in those things? I do. Immediately, I was in the Spirit, and the first thing he sees, and this is why it's important in these days, and behold, a throne set in heaven. My favorite word in this verse is the word set. I want you to know right now Then this is your first lesson. People go, well, how do you connect with this? First thing you do is you lift your eyes. You lift your eyes, and you begin to go on the journey of dealing with your unbelief. That there is a real place way up there, and it's called the New Jerusalem, and in the heart of the New Jerusalem is the throne room of God. And that you and I have been raised, Jeremy said this earlier, raised and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Colossians 3, he says to set your mind on things above. Take these six inches. I always think of elf, my favorite line. Christmas is coming six inch ribbon curls. Six inches. (laughs) It's always my favorite line. (laughs) I don't think that's six inches, but whatever. Take that and set it on things above where Christ is. Jesus is in a real place. He's in a real place, and God wants to awaken your spiritual eyes to connect to this place. He wants to awaken your eyes and your imagination and fill you with wonder until that which you see is, and hear, it becomes one reality on the inside of you. Behold, the thing that I love, a throne set in heaven. It's an immovable throne. It's an unshakable throne. It's a throne above every White House, above every Buckingham Palace, above every billionaire Saudi sheik, above every power base and billionaire palace and every coalition of nations. There is a throne that's set above every principality, ruler, and dominion, above every power force, every Jezebel, every Leviathan, every system and every spirit. There is a throne that's set in heaven. There's a throne set over the prince of Persia. There's a throne set over every principality and power. There's a third heaven. Where did you get that? Second Corinthians twelve. I was caught up to the third heaven. That thereby we can infer there's two other heavens. <laughs> it's deep. We know Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. That's that first heaven realm. When you walk outside tonight, you go, oh, my God, it's beautiful. We're living it. That's the heavens are declaring. The cosmos that we've seen, there's an invisible realm, a second heaven's realm where principalities and powers, governing powers that oversee regions and nations. They are fueled by demonic agreement on the earth. But there's also the angelic realm that governs in that unseen realm. Daniel 10, it's really cool. He's on a 21-day fast, and on the 21st day, he goes, "First first day you started your prayer, I was sent from third heaven. But I got down in the second heavens, and the principality of Persia began to wrestle with me. He goes, you cu- I couldn't get breakthrough, so God sent Michael the archangel who came and entered into the wrestle with me, broke me through on the 21st day and i've come down here to say we really like you up there he told him beloved he says you are beloved first words out of the angel's mouth we really like you up there <laughs> i went through all that cosmic warfare to tell you that <laughs> i love it there is a throne <laughs> I just want to blow it in the head. People, I don't know what grandma said it or mom said it. You don't want to be so heavenly minded. You'll be no earthly good. Shoot that devil in the head. No one that has been truly heavenly minded. They're the only ones that are earthly good. You can't, that that is the greatest farce in the world because a person who is truly connected to the throne life is fueled and filled with a divine love and compassion and faith to live it out in everyday life because they're drawing on another source, not on what's on social media or televisions. They're drawing from another source. The higher you realize you've been brought, the more freed you are to not jockey for position because you realize you already have everything. Everything. Do you know why we're jockeying for, to be noticed or to get a door open? It's because we don't know how high we've been brought and how rich we already are. John 13, Jesus knew where he'd come from. All things had been given to him, where he was going. That's what fueled him to get down and then wash feet. All right. There's a throne. Set in I love the word set. It's almost like one of those lighthouses in the middle of a hurricane. And it can rush, it can huff, it can puff. That house ain't coming down. That throne, it says in the Psalms, has been established from everlasting. It's of old. He's the ancient of days. Psalm 97 says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. one set on the throne i call him abba i call him abba you have direct access to the king over all the nations that's the greatest secret about prayer is that little o you and me have direct access to the king over all the nations i have the attention of the king of all the nations the one with all the glory and all the majesty. I have his attention, I have his eyes, I have his ears, I have his heart, and I have his hand. When a person connects to that revelation, you are indestructible. You are the most powerful person in the world because of the access you have to Abba. And it's not just some dignitary. We're not just coming in to a dignitary. No. Abba. (laughs) Abba. Father. And I have connection to him. One sat on the throne. We got five other verses. I don't know if we're going to get there. Let's let's see if we can get there. Verse 3. John's now doing his best to describe him. He's going to use words like like but what he's seeing ain't nothing like anything he's ever seen. The best he can come up with are ancient stones to serve as a bridge to the common reader to connect to what he's seeing, but that don't even compare. So what John's seeing is Jasper, Sardius. He's seeing blinding light and burning fire is what he's seeing. Blinding light, burning fire. There are two self-descriptions of God in Scripture. He is the one who is light. He dwells in unapproachable light. He wraps himself with light. He is the father of lights, and God is fire. He burns. I love the light is his beauty, and I love First John because in him is no darkness at all. Aren't you grateful there's not one tinge of not one millimeter of I'm gonna get you jokers back? If there was that much tent of darkness and unlimited power and wisdom and glory, we would all be destroyed. He doesn't have one vindictive part of his nature. He's perfect light, he's good, he's righteous, he's just He's kind. He's patient. He's loving. He's pure. He's beautiful. But he's not some ball of light at a distance. He's the God of burning fire, <laughs> which means he's intense. He's passion. He's passion. He's passion. He's the God who's up in your business. He's the God that's coming after you. When a third of the angels say, we don't want you, he goes, y'all go down. All of us said, we don't want you. And he says, "Uh uh-uh, not so fast. And he came to the earth and he became a man forever. And he's going to be a man forever. He's a passionate God. He's a consuming fire, and God's fire burns, it refines, it consumes, it tenderizes but we all know what would happen if the fire of God was let loose on the world. Nobody could stand. That's why there's an emerald rainbow surrounding the throne of God. God relates with us through the lens of covenantal mercy, faithfulness, and kindness. God relates with you through mercy. See, with most of us, we all carry different aspects of the heart of God. I got fire from the day I got saved. I got the, so my journey's been learning mercy and tenderness. Some of us got the mercy and tenderness and you got to grow in your fire. He's got it all. <laughs> he is the kindest person you will ever meet. He is the most tender person you will ever meet. And he's patient. He doesn't. He's not frustrated with showing mercy. The Bible says he delights in showing mercy. We think you're screwing up with that sin again, and he looks at you, when are you going to get over this? Fine, forgiven. He actually enjoys showing you mercy. What's the most merciful thing God's done for us? He didn't give us what we deserved. Look at verse 4. There's some real dudes up there. 24 thrones, on the thrones, 24 elders. Three things about these elders. They're sitting, they're clothed, and they're crowned. I don't know if it's the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. I don't know who it is, but I'll tell you this. Nothing speaks about what you and I look like more than that verse in Christ. Right now, in the presence of God, we have been enthroned. Nobody sits in the presence of God. No angels sit. Nobody sits, but you and I in Christ are sitting in Christ in heavenly places. It's a place of partnership, a place of we belong here. You have been made the ruling class of heaven. You are the aristocracy of heaven. You are the enthroned ones. Hallelujah. Say it over yourself till you believe it. Just wait just till it cracks that dam on the inside of you. You are throned in the presence of God. Number two, you are clothed in white robes. I like to say it, we are those who are the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the one that's as clean as Jesus is in the presence of Abba, because Jesus doesn't shop at thrift stores. You don't get secondhand righteousness. You don't get hand-me-downs. He imputes. He imparts. He qualifies and releases his own righteousness, the righteousness of God in the presence of God. You're not agreeing with that. It's pride. Deal with it. Righteous and crowned with crowns of gold. He doesn't just sit there and now say, now you're saved. Now sit here and don't mess up anymore. He actually dignifies you in his presence. He crowns you with crowns of gold. He beautifies the humble with salvation. What's going to happen when we wake up to being throned, crowned, and robed? When that threefold revelation touches the body of Christ, I'm as clean as Jesus is. I'm as close as Jesus is. And I'm an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ, and I reign as kings in this earth. I reign as kings. We reign in this life is what Paul says in uh, Romans 6. We reign, Romans 5, we reign in life. Jesus, it's going to get back in the church, people. It's going to get back in the church. We're going to get this mindset. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Verse 5 is going to happen. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Oh, my. Lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. What are the lightnings and what are the thunderings? It's the the restoration of the prophetic spirit back on the church. The prophetic spirit, the authority on the word of God is coming back to the church. And it's going to come out like Psalm 29, thunders. Job 37 says the God of glory thunders. The lightning strikes were phrases, strike, strike hearts, and flashes of revelation hit you. Have you had a flash hit you? Have you had a flash? Have you had a lightning strike? Have you had a lightning strike from the throne where in a moment, and then all of a sudden, you're thinking different, you're feeling different. What happened? Shaka. I want to build a landing strip on my life. I want to approximate my life to that throne of saying, hit me with your best shot. Hit me, I want to put my life before the throne. Saying, let the lightning strikes hit me again and again and again. In the midst of a dark and corrupt world, I want to land and say, land your cargo here, spirit of revelation. A secret that takes 10 years to unpack. A verse that consumes me. I want to tell you the glory about searching out the knowledge of God. It is worth it to search for ten years for a ten minute encounter in God. Ten minutes validate ten years of seeking because of the gold found in the encounter. There's seven lamps of fire, they're the seven spirits of God. I like to think that they're Isaiah 11, the anointing resting on Jesus. Spirit of the Lord, wisdom, counsel, knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord, understanding. Maybe one other one. Go to verse 6. Now we're about to have fun. We've got 10 minutes. We'll get you out of here. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass. I mean, just like, see that. See a sea of glass. What's a sea of glass look like? sea of glass. This is what I was talking about in Exodus 24. It says a blue pavement was on Mount Sinai. And they sat down on the blue pavement. They saw the God of Israel and they ate and they drank. Seventy of the elders sat down on that sea of glass and had lunch with God. Now we're about to have fun. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes, around in the front and in back. (laughs) You're going to meet these guys one of these days. Now look at the four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and the back. Serious. Their whole being's made of a box. God had a blank slate, and this is what He came up with. He had a blank drawing board, and said, "That's what I want." Because there's something found in the many-eyed creatures that tell us about God and His government that tell us about how God releases his kingdom into the earth and he fills four living creatures and fills them with eyes. In front and in back, verse 7, and we're about to see one like a lion, one like a calf, one face like a man, fourth living creature like a flying eagle. Verse 8, here it is. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, now he's going to add something else. We're full of eyes around, and look at this, within. So we have in front and back and now within. Let's just take this thing up to 3D. They're translucent creatures, which means you can see their insides. And their insides are filled with eyes. Their internal and their external qualities are made for revelation, are made to see. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Was, is, is to come. Whenever they do it, crowns start getting thrown. All right. So you got the four living creatures surrounding the throne. What I love is I I counted it, Revelation 4, about 12 times you see the word the throne. The throne is the centerpiece. It's all about on the throne, before the throne, around the throne, in the midst of the throne. It's all about proximity to the throne. It's time for the church to get back to the throne. My, 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 my beautiful wife, my, my, my favorite quote in the world is from an old uh, Pentecostal leader, John G. Lake. Many of you might know that name. He's, his stuff messed me up. And, there, and she, put, she literally wrote this on an old office that I had in, in, in our house in Kansas City. And he writes this, and that was the big emphasis was the power of the resurrected Lord. And he goes, I want to see Jesus. He goes, we're all, you know, this is what he said, he goes, we're walking around with our noses in the sand, looking down to the ground. He goes, I want to see Jesus. And then he says this, he goes, well, don't look to the cross because you won't find him there. He says, let the throne life. He goes, lift your eyes and let the throne life and the throne love and the throne power. Possess your souls until you become a new man in Christ Jesus. And your song become the song of the victor. And your march, the march of the conqueror. Let the throne life and the throne love and the throne power possess your soul. I meditate all the time on the cross. But guess who's in the middle of the throne? It's the lamb as though it had been slain. That's who gets all the authority is the crucified and resurrected lamb. It's humility that gets honored in the throne room. But it's not just walking around, I want to be humble for humble's sake. No, humble people know this is how it rules. This is how we rule. I'm not begrudgingly being humble. See, I hate weird humility. He's so humble. But they may be angry, biding their time until they get a door opened. When you understand how high you've been brought There's nothing too low you can do because you understand the glory in going to the lowest place. And the higher you realize you've been brought, you are free to go to the lowest place without any payment, without any notice, and you can do it for decades with a happy spirit. Four living creatures, full of eyes, around and within. They've been in the same room With the same person singing the same word forever. Here's a revelation for every one of you in here. They've never gotten used to it. They've never gotten. What are we going to do next? What's after this? Why did God give them all them eyes to look at Him? Why don't they stop? It's because he never stops breaking in with fresh discoveries of who he is. God's favorite game is how much can I blow your minds? I believe God wants to cure us of boredom in this hour, and he wants to take us out of other conversations. I can feel, do you know, here's my question for you. and and I had to go through a seven-year seminary of learning how to do it. It's not just, yeah, you lift your eyes to the throne. No, I'm talking about, do you know how to come out of the tyranny of anxiety? Crippling anxiety. When you're under it, you don't know how to even see above anything, and everything inside of you says, push the escape hatch, run to this, run to that, go there, fix it, and yet, That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, crippling anxiety, crippling fear, crippling worry, projecting of the future, how to come out of the immediate swirl and just do this. And you just say it till you believe it. And you keep saying it. For me, it's learning how to lift your eyes, literally. Lifting my eyes and connecting with the fact there's a real person there. I declare who he is. God, I love you. God, I bless you. I'm here to tell you, if you can begin to learn to lift your eyes, declare who he is, declare Revelation 4. Keep declaring it, sing it, find songs that help us get there, and then add praying in the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to do this until. This is what got me into praying in the Spirit We moved to Kansas City in 2000. It was intense warfare. I don't know a lot. I said, I'm going to pray in tongues till I get peace. (laughs) I don't know nothing else. Sometimes that was 20 minutes. Love those days. Other times it was two hours. But I said, I ain't going anywhere. God, there's a throne set in heaven. God, there's a throne set in heaven. I'm going to cry it. I'm gonna gush it, I'm gonna cuss it, I'm gonna scream it, I ain't going anywhere. I refuse to live, to live caught in this other realm of being being enslaved by the recent swirl. And I'm like, God, I'm gonna climb up to you. I'm gonna lift up my eyes to the hills. And what I find is that my weak reach is is met by his marvelous reach down. And in that, two realms become one. And I find that that's why I love Psalm 27. Light, salvation. The Lord's my light, my salvation. When I'm surrounded, everybody wants to kill me, eat up my flesh. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. Dwell in his house, gaze on his beauty, inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, see. Most of us wait for in the time of trouble before we do Psalm 27.4. When you build a life of acquainting yourself with the throne, he says, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me, and then he does this, and he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will sing. Do you know how to get there till you sing? People ask, how do you know? You're just going to know. You just know. You know it. And if you've never known it, you need to keep on with it until you know it. Everybody wants four steps to do it. Everybody wants to learn how to walk on the water with four steps in the boat. Jesus. I I believe the power of singing in the Spirit, singing to God. And you just whisper it, you cry it, you grunt it, you groan it, you just speak to him and and you say, God, I lift my eyes. And and you look at Jesus saying, and yet I'm not alone. Jesus, I'm feeling crippling loneliness right now. Where did Jesus go in the midst of loneliness? He released the battle axe. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. My father's with me. That revelation right there can cure loneliness. This is how I fight. This is how we fight. This is how we fight. And the Lord's saying it's time to put your big boy pants on because many of us, the Lord told me at the beginning of 2020, and I'm ending literally in two minutes. The Lord told me Jeremiah 12:5. If you've ran, if you walked with the footmen and they wore you out, how will you do with the horses in the floodplain of the Jordan? which to me means most of us just want it to go back to normal. And I keep hearing the Holy Spirit saying it's not. We're, we're moving into a new season in history, into a divine season. And I feel like the Lord's saying it's time to pick up the pace of the intentionality of pursuing me and going after me. We just want to go back to what we knew. And the Lord says, uh-uh, you can't live like you used to. It's going to require a greater intentionality. And that Jeremiah 12 verse means if you're worn out on a 2.0 on the treadmill, a seven's coming. And I believe this is going to be the context to bring forth the, 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 the most beautiful and glorious and holy bride that's ever come forth. We're going to come off our islands of individualism and isolation. We're going to come off our islands of doing this thing in our own strength. We're going to grow in a greater dependence on God and a greater dependence with one another. It's prayer rooms and dinner tables. It's prayer rooms and dinner tables. We're going to break through here, and we're going to break through here. And as we do that, the Lord's going to bring forth a people, and pressure brings us into those things. Presence and pressure. Amen. Let's stand. Good. Ha. Just lift, your, uh, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Ha. And I want yeah. And I found in my life lifting my hands actually helps me connect. Lifting my eyes and lifting my hands. That's why he says lift up your hands. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your heads, O you gates. That's beautiful. If you have your prayer language, I want you to begin to pray in the spirit. Some of us, our eyes have been in other things. Ask the Lord to cleanse your eyes right now. You've been looking at television screens and iPhones way too much. Oh, oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Anxiety, fear, and loneliness. This is, how, this is how we deal with anxiety, fear, and loneliness. It's not positive thinking. It's rooting our soul with Abba.